Welcome to the Movie Planet. With Joe. You tell Nietzsche man, and I am the devil. Joel. You're taller than you look in the tabloids, Mr. Wayne. Oh, come. I'm insulted. And JC. If those are to be the first of many injuries to come, it would be wise to find a suitable excuse. Polo, for instance. I'm learning polo, Alfred. I'm your host, Joe, and with me, as always, is the Raz Al Ghul and Scarecrow to my Batman, Joel and JC. Welcome back. Dibs on Raz Al Ghul. <laughs> I am here. No, <laughs> you're not doing that. <laughs> Have you ever seen In the Cage with Nicolas Cage? Yes. No. I have no idea what you're talking about. Saturday Night Live skit. Andy Samberg. And it's great. He brings up Ra's al Ghul. Well, as you may have guessed, this week I have nominated Batman Begins for the Pantheon of Comic Book Movies and also the trilogy of Nolan Batman films for the Trilogy Pantheon. Now, the Comic Book Pantheon is comprised of seven and only seven films. As of right now, we only have two in there. We've got Deadpool with a perfect A and Green Lantern with a C plus, a 7.667. Now, the higher we grade, grade it, the longer it may be staying there. Only a film with a higher grade can kick it down on its butt in the Pantheon in the future. So we will discuss the movie, and in an hour or so, we will analyze it and grade it and figure out if this movie gets a high enough aggregate grade to be worthy of its place in the Pantheon of comic book films. Now, this is a spoiler-rich podcast, so if you haven't seen Batman Begins, it's best if you stop right here, watch the movie, yes, right now, and then turn us back on to enjoy our discussion and analysis. But now that we've handled that business, let's get to our movie of the week. Don't get on the set, get ready to shoot, and then ask for rewrites. Studios do this crap all the time, and they wonder why they end up with a shit movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Movie? You know, I hate the word movie. I don't make movies. I make films. All right. This week, we're talking about 2005's Batman Begins, a rated PG-13 movie directed by Christopher Nolan and written by David S. Goyer and Christopher Nolan. The movie was made for $150 million and brought in $374.2 million. It's a little, it's a little, it's a little short for a Batman movie. It's surprising. Yeah, uh, I think this is like off of the Schumacher ones. We were just kind of like, a Batman's gonna suck. Yeah, probably. Yeah, <coughs> starring Christian Bale as Bruce Wayne and Batman, uh, my cocaine as Alfred, and I learned to say his name. You say my cocaine, and you can say it in his accent then. Mike O'Kane. No, say my cocaine, and it's that's what I'm saying. I'm like, is he talking about cocaine? My cocaine. But that's how Michael Caine would say his name. What's your name? Michael Caine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear God in heaven. (laughs) Liam Neeson as Henri Ducard and a version of Ra's al Ghul. Katie Holmes as Rachel Dawes. Gary Oldman as Jim Gordon. Cillian Murphy or Killian Murphy or however you want to say his name as Dr. Jonathan Crane or Scarecrow. Tom Wilkinson as Carmine Falcone. Rutger Hauer as Earl. Ken Watanabe as Ra's al Ghul. And Morgan Freeman as Lucius Fox. Um... According to the top critics at Rotten Tomatoes, it has a tomato meter reading of 63%. 33 fresh reviews and 19 rotten. The critics on average gave this film a 6.8 out of 10. The audience score, which is the average rating the audience gave this film, is a 3.9 out of 5 with 94% agreeing it's a 3 or higher. Uh, The critic consensus reads, Brooding and dark, but also exciting and smart, Batman Begins is a film that understands the essence of one of the definitive superheroes. But now it's time to go a little background here. Following a rejected Batman origin story reboot, Joss Whedon 
pitched in December 2002, Warner Brothers hired Christopher Nolan and David S. Goyer to script Batman Begins. Now, Nolan stated that his intention to reinvent the film franchise of Batman by doing the origin story of the character, which is a story that's never been told before. It's been told several times, actually. Uh, Nolan said that humanity and realism would be the basis of the original film and that the world of Batman is that of grounded reality. It will be a recognizable contemporary reality against which an extraordinary heroic figure arises. They nailed that. This is as real as a superhero movie could possibly get, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Goyer said that the goal of the film was to get the audience to care for both Batman and Bruce Wayne. Nolan felt the previous films were exercises in style rather than drama and described his inspiration as being Richard Donner's 1978 film Superman in its focus on depicting the character's growth. Also similar to Superman, Nolan wanted an all-star supporting cast for Batman Begins to lend a more epic feel and credibility to the story. If you look at the cast, it's ridiculous how they got all those actors in there because it is like a who's who of Academy and Emmy and just Mm -hmm. they just get nominated all the time. Uh, Nolan's personal jumping-off point of inspiration was The Man Who Falls, a short story by Denny O'Neill and Dick Giordano about Bruce's travels throughout the world. The early scene in Batman Begins of young Bruce Wayne falling into a well was adapted from The Man Who Falls. Batman, The Long Halloween, written by Jeff Loeb and drawn by Tim Sale, influenced Goyer in writing the screenplay, with the villain Carmine Falcone as one of the many elements that were drawn from Halloween's sober, serious approach. The writers considered having Harvey Dent in the film, but replaced him with the new character, Rachel Dawes, when they realized they couldn't do him justice. The character was later portrayed by Aaron Eckhart in the 2008 sequel, The Dark Knight. In addition, the film Sergeant James Gordon was based on his comic book incarnation as seen in Year One. The writers of Batman Begins also used Frank Miller's Year One plot device, which was about a corrupt police force that led to Gordon and Gotham City's need for Batman. A common idea in the comics is that Bruce saw a Zorro film with his parents before they were murdered. Nolan explained that by ignoring that idea, which he stated is not found in Batman's first appearances, it emphasized the importance of bats to Bruce, and that becoming a superhero is a wholly original idea on his part. It is for this reason Nolan believes that other DC characters do not exist in the universe of this film. Otherwise, Wayne's reasons for taking up costumed vigilantism would have been very different. Apparently, at his audition, Christian Bale wore the bat suit, minus the cape, which has been missing for some time, that Val Kilmer donned for 1995's Batman Forever. He showed up in gear. There you go. Yeah. But how do you feel about that? He made this in the idea that there is no Superman. There is no Greenland. These heroes do not exist. Well, if you add those other ones, you lose the sense of realism. And let's be honest, what Nolan's going for is realism. Could this actually happen in the real life? You can't put Green Lantern in the real world. Not yet. What if you had these series of movies that were all based in reality, like three movies, and then the fourth one, you introduce the Green Lantern character? Because you've established the realism then. But then the other three lose their power. Then you get bamboozled, which is kind of what he does to us in The Prestige. Mm-hmm. I mean, so yeah. no one's not above it. Yeah. Uh, as with all of his films, no one refused a second unit. He did this in order to keep his vision consistent. Filming began in March 2004 in the <laughs> glacier in Iceland. Vatnajökull. Damn, you good? I teach it because it takes up most of Iceland. It covers an entire third of Iceland. It's the largest glacier there. So I have to teach it every year. So yeah, Vatna Yokel. I'm totally bewildered right now. I don't know what to say. Uh, this is standing in for Bhutan. The crew built a village in the front doors of Raz's camp- temple, as well as a road to access the remote area. Are we saying Raz? 
or Raish? Well, he says Roz in the movie. I know, but I'm just wondering, is it Raish or Roz? I'm going with what they say in the movie. Okay. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. I don't know if in Dark Knight Rises they change it. <laughs> the daughter in... Dark Knight Rises. Dark Knight Rises. Is that the third one? Yeah, Marion Cotillard. Yeah, she does say Raish. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Like, they changed it. Okay. Because, yeah, okay. There we go. All right. We'll, ha- we'll talk about that in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> There's a few things that we got to talk about there. But uh, the weather was problematic with 75 miles per hour winds, rain, and a, and a lack of snow. And now we get to Joel's favorite, Hans Zimmer. The score for Batman Begins was composed by Hans Zimmer. This music is amazing. I agree with you. <laughs> oh, he doesn't like it? Not really. No, oh, I like it. This mo- This one is good. But there are other, there's other Zimmer things where just like it's just it's just tones. Inception. I love Zimmer. Zimmer's one of my favorite. Uh, what's the word? Composers. Composers. That's the word. Yep. <laughs> uh, apparently, him and James Newton Howard collaborated on this. Uh, I don't know any of James Newton Howard's stuff. Uh, Nolan originally invited Zimmer to compose the music, and Zimmer asked Nolan if he could invite Howard to compose as well, as they had always planned a collaboration. And the two composers com- collaborated on separate themes for the split personality of Bruce Wayne and his alter ego Batman. So they collaborated on the collaboration to create a split of two people. They did indeed. Uh, I'm going to skip this last part. Do you remember the first time you saw this? What were your initial feelings after seeing it, Joel? I saw it in theaters with my childhood friend. And I remember they gave us like handouts at the movie, almost like a playbill. And we talked about this movie for a long time. <laughs> what about you, JC? Well, those are my initials, J and C. Um as far as when I saw it, I do know that I saw this in the theater. I can't remember who I went to see it with, and I don't remember when. It definitely wasn't when it first came out. It was after people were talking about it. But I did see it in the theater. Yeah, I also waited on this movie. And I saw it in the theaters by myself. And I was expecting a comic book movie. Uh, but I walked out having watched a film. This was a film. This was not a movie. Uh, this is not MCU. This is not the Batmans that we saw with Schumacher and Burton. Uh but I had nobody to talk to about because nobody saw it. Like three hundred seventy-four million—that—that's not a lot for a, a comic book movie nowadays. Yeah, now that's stupid. like an opening weekend. Stupid Marvel. <laughs> I was so surprised. I think when I saw this, because like that was heavy for a superhero. Movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, time for a summary. What is your summary of this movie in ten words or less? Joel, give I, us a headline. I have exactly ten words for you. Ooh, holy shit! That's a long <laughs> synopsis you have there. I also thought that as I was scrolling through that, I'm like, is this 20 pages? It is a 20-page synopsis. I seriously <laughs> pared it down, too. <laughs> no, this is a very long movie. Yeah. Um, my actual summary, Orphan Child Seeks to Make His Fallen City Good Again. Oh. Huh. What about you, JC? Bruce scared of bats, but Raish not as scary as crows. <laughs> <laughs> What? <laughs> I need you to explain that, man. <laughs> Bruce is scared of bats. That's how he becomes Batman. Yeah. Raish is not is supposed to be scary, but I don't think he's as scary as the scarecrow. Oh, oh. crow. Okay. Got it. <laughs> not so you meant not as scary as crow. No, as crows. Cro- so se- se- several scarecrows? Sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> is the English teacher in you like head exploding right now? I hate this job. <laughs> following, mine is following tragedy. Man makes lemonade from lemons in tactical suit. Yeah. With electricity. <laughs> okay. And now, the, the abridged. 
the, a brick, because I sat down the other night working on this going, cut this out, cut that. I can't cut this out. Because this whole movie is exposition and needed dialogue and needed scenes. Like, I tried to pare it down, guys. I don't want it to be this long. I wonder if they had sore knees if it was all needed. Dig in, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Okay. Uh, a large swarm of bats fly from left to right, backlighted by a reddish sky. They make the shape of Batman's emblem. I love this opening scene. <laughs> I think it looks cool. Uh, Bruce, we, then we go to a distant flashback. Bruce Wayne and Rachel Dawes are playing in the Wayne Manor garden. Bruce falls down in a sealed well and fractures his arm. He is then attacked by a swarm of bats emerging from a large gaping crack at the well base. Then we go to the present. We flash because this is a Nolan film. We're going to keep flashing forward and backwards. The distant future, <laughs> the year 2000. <laughs> Bruce wakes up from the nightmare in a Chinese prison. It becomes apparent that Bruce is regularly attacked by other inmates who brawl with him six to one at breakfast. Having beaten the majority of them, Bruce is punished with solitary confinement by the prison guards. In solitary, Bruce is approached by a man called Henry Ducard. Ducard displays a great deal of knowledge and authority by getting an audience with Bruce from the prison and by stating that he knows who Bruce is. Ducard then offers Bruce a place in the League of Shadows, a collective of vigilantes and assassins. He deems that the League can offer Bruce a path to true justice instead of locking himself away with criminals to take them on one at a time. Ducard arranges for Bruce to be released in the morning so when he, and when he, uh, when he will have to decide whether he will accept Ducard's offer. Should he do so, he must pick a rare blue flower from the eastern slopes and carry it to the top of a nearby mountain. Okay. Did you expect Bruce to be that good of a fighter already? Considering the fact that by this point he's been on his own, you would have to believe it. Okay. You would have to believe that he did a little bit because he has no money, he's living on your own, on your own and let's be honest, in the real world, like gangbangers and people that come from nothing and yet still survive, they have to know how to protect themselves. All right, They have to know how to get out of a scrap or survive in a scrap or survive being jumped. So is he the best of everything? No. Am I surprised, though, that he can hold his own against three or four guys? No. People would probably be jumping him all the time and not in the good, friendly way. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and Gotham is essentially Chicago, so he wasn't yeah. safe there either. <laughs> uh, Bruce is released as promised and carries out his task after carrying the flower to the top of the mountain Bruce finds himself at the door of the League of Shadows headquarters inside he meets Ra's al Ghul or Ra's al Ghul however you want to say it the head of the League and is confronted by Henry Ducard once again Bruce hands over the blue flower and in doing so completes his test for membership or so he thought Ducard then suddenly attacks him warning the exhausted Bruce that death does not wait for you to be ready Although Bruce fights back, he is easily beaten and collapses. Distant flashback. Bruce is still in the well after being attacked by the bats. His father, Dr. Thomas Wayne, comes down to rescue him in a very modern rescuing rope kit and sets Bruce's fractured arm with the help of the family butler, Alfred Pennyworth. The ageless Michael Caine, who does not age in this movie. <laughs> way more than a penny, maybe even a nickel. Thomas Wayne comforts Bruce by asking... Why do we fall? I've actually, I steal that line. I'm not going to lie. I totally I steal say it all that time. line. I steal that line. <laughs> so we can learn to pick ourselves up. Later on, Bruce admits to his father that he was scared of the bats and is now suffering nightmares. Pussy. After being comforted further, Thomas shows his son the pearl necklace he'll give to his wife as a gift. You don't show that to your kid? Why not? A pearl necklace? What? Hey, he's got to learn sometime. 
<laughs> How else does he know where to aim? That night, Thomas and Martha. That. What's that? <laughs> I didn't hear that one. I said, I don't care for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. We'll edit that one out. No, I'm just joking. I'm no, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> that night, Thomas and Martha take Bruce to the Opera via Monorail. Monorail, Monorail. While on the train, Thomas confides that the city is in an economic downturn, and his company, Wayne Enterprises, funded the construction of the trains, routing them into the center of the city. Thomas, however, leaves running of the company to more interested people, preferring to work as a doctor at the hospital. While watching the opera, Mephistopheles, sure that one, Bruce... <laughs> is frightened by the bats in the production, which remind him of the bats that attacked him and asks his father if they can leave. Outside in an alleyway, a man named Joe Chill accosts them with a revolver and demands the pearl necklace. He just had to get his pants down. Thomas gave to Martha a fight breaks out, and in the struggle, both Thomas and Martha are shot and are mortally wounded. Chill runs away, leaving Bruce alone with his parents. Before dying, Thomas manages to tell Bruce, don't be afraid. That night, Bruce is watched after at the police station by Officer James Gordon. Midway through, Police Commissioner Jillian B. Leib, Loeb, 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 there we go, comes in and informs Bruce that the police have caught chill. They're cold. Bruce is put into Alfred's care. After the funeral, Wayne Enterprises CEO William Early... I know, it's just Earl. I just wanted to pronounce it E. <laughs> Tells Bruce that the company will be looked after until Bruce grows up. Alfred tries to console Bruce when the boy confesses that his parents' death was his fault because he was asked, or because he asked to leave the opera early. I am going to say right now that this scene is arguably the most important scene of the entire movie. Oh, hands down. It's probably the, the most important for the whole thing. Because, and I'm going to get into this later when I do my bottom three, this is what creates Batman. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you only know Batman from the comics or from the movies or from video games. This scene, this whole thing, mm -hmm. that's what makes Batman. Not some of the other people come on later. Well, yeah. what I was going to say <laughs> was the scene between Alfred and... Bruce, when he's the custodian, yeah. and he hugs Bruce saying, it wasn't your fault, it was his. That scene right there, first of all, it is, your fatherly role model is not gone. I am still here. And I don't think any of us here wouldn't say that we would love to have a Michael Caine in our life that's like no, this. No, yeah. and, and again, I'll get to it later in my top three. A lot of my favorites for this movie are because of what Michael Caine is saying. Yeah, His, his words and his scenes end up consistently being my favorites. Mm -hmm. We flash forward to the present. Ducard asks Bruce if he still feels responsible for the death of his parents. Bruce responds that, that his, his is far too angry to feel guilty. His training with the League of Shadows begins. He's trained in the arts of ninjutsu, stealth, combat theatricality, and deception. Bruce is trained not only to fight six men, but to engage 600. Ducard enforces his belief that all forms of crime must be fought without mercy and pity. Ducard explains that his wife was murdered and that he joined the League when he achieved his vengeance. Bruce reveals that he can't claim his vengeance. Now, before you start, there is something very phenomenal that happens in this scene when they're on the lake. Tell me about it. You start to see the first glimpse at the Batsuit. 
Because as they're fighting with the swords, there's a shot yeah. where Ducard stops the sword with what looks like little fins off of his thing. That's from Batman. That's yeah. his suit. That's, that's the origin of that from the suit right there. And when he stops that thing and pulls it forward, that's like, wow, we're starting to see little bits and pieces here start to grow. And that's actually one of my favorite scenes in the movie because that's the first time when I saw that, I'm like, that's what the hell those damn things are for. Right. The whole time, I never knew what the point of the silly little phalanges were, if they were blades or what. (laughs) I mean, let's be honest, in the comic books, they just drew them for coolness. Right. But what the first time I saw him take a katana and like twist it and break it, I'm like, that makes perfect sense. Totally. That makes perfect sense. I love that. And it's used for multi-purposes because near the end of it, he stops the fall by jamming it into the ice, Boba Fett style from Attack of the Clones, and stopping him from falling. They did a great job with this movie making everything practical and there for a reason. Yes. Close flashback. 14 years after his parents were killed, Bruce arrives at Wayne Manor from Princeton University. He's come home for Joe Chill's parole hearing. Hey. Alfred still manages the house and expresses his concern over Bruce. Rachel is now an assistant at the district attorney. And takes Bruce to the hearing. Unknown to her, Bruce is concealing a revolver, which he plans to shoot Chill if he is released. Dick. In the hearing, Chill expresses remorse for the murder of Bruce's parents and is given parole should he testify against his cellmate, gang boss, Carmine Falcone. E. However, Falcone. (laughs) Before Bruce can act, a female assassin... Posing as a reporter, comes up with a pistol in his, her hand and shoots Chill. Bruce watches as Chill bleeds to death, and the assassin is arrested. But dri- d- d- driving away, driving in a car, away from the incident, Rachel lectures Bruce afterwards on the difference between justice, justice, and revenge, and reveals that Gotham City is still suffering because of Falcone's illegal drug empire. Rachel then slaps him harshly, when he reveals that she will not be in the next movie. Uh, <laughs> sorry. When he reveals that he was planning to shoot Chill, she tells him that his father would be ashamed of him, which is a deep cut. Uh, Bruce, convinced that he has nothing to lose, makes his way to a bar in the Gotham underworld to confront Falcone. And we get my second favorite scene in this movie. Falcone brags about his control over the city's police and judges, even pointing out who he has in his pockets who is present. He then threatens Rachel and Alfred to prove that to prove that Bruce does have a lot to lose. His thugs beat up Bruce and he leaves. No other choice but to run away. Bruce stows away aboard a cargo ship, leaving the port. Bruce is then shown in China, stealing food to survive, eventually getting involved in gangster operations in order to infiltrate them. He is then arrested, ironically, in the sea in the act of stealing Wayne Enterprise crates and is sent to the prison Ducard discovered him in at the beginning. Now, it's interesting here because normally in a movie like this, the person who's had the origin has already gotten their suit, and they're testing their powers for the first time. We're not even scratching the surface yet. I hate this scene. Which scene? The whole scene with Chill and Rachel Dawes. Oh, I hate it. What, I, I'm talking about the <coughs> one with Falcone when they're in the bar. No, I love that His one. His speech to him. I her whole that. speech, and uh, like I don't understand her point in the movie at all. Rachel, Rachel does? Uh, nope. Rachel uh, may be my least favorite. DC yeah, character. and it, and it's not it's not a knock on on Katie Holmes or anything. She does a good job of acting. The character just not me. I don't. Yeah, you don't need the character. You don't need the character at all. And I'm sorry. I like that they wanted him to understand the difference between justice and revenge, but it needs to come from Alfred. 
if you really want to stay true to the comics and true to what Batman is, he didn't have friends. Like yeah. as as harsh exactly. as as harsh as that is to believe, and I understand that like they're trying to make it more relate to bigger audiences. He becomes Batman because of what he goes through himself, the own prison he puts his mind into. And so I like the idea of him wanting to shoot chill and then not being able to, but somebody else has to. And then he himself in his mind wrestling or Alfred said, I feel like Alfred should have been the one to see the gun and been like, and, and, and have that conversation because he becomes, he becomes Batman because of his emotions and Alfred's teachings. That's it. That's the end of the story. This movie makes it seem like, well, he wouldn't really become Batman without Rachel Dawes. And I'm not, I don't want to sound sexist or anything like that. It's just it's not what I remember from the comics growing up. Yeah. There was no friend. I'm not even going to say girlfriend. There was no friends. Batman didn't have friends. He had Alfred. And Alfred is the one that should have done this. So this this whole scene and her slapping him and all that, I'm like, no, this was all wasted time in an already really long movie. If the, I will say this, if they needed somebody just to deliver the one line, that is probably the most important line, which is not what you do. It's or it's not who you are. It's what you do that defines you. Yeah, you could have had a passerby say it. You could have had somebody where it's like one more thing that he hears and it just rings for him. Or Alfred later. Like or like you see you have that scene and then you cut to him walking in and Alfred like taking his coat off and then feeling the weight of the coat and he's like, You have a gun in your coat and then they have the conversation. That's what should have happened. So we fly to the present. We <coughs> should get more Michael Caine. Michael Caine. When Bruce reaches a skill level, you're hearing it now, aren't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Reaches a skill level in which he is an equal to the majority in the league, he faces Ducard in combat. However, he is exposed beforehand to the vapors of the blue flower he brought up to the mountain earlier. The smoke distorts his senses and makes him hallucinate about bats, his greatest fear. Mm. Bruce overcomes his phobia and employs a clever trick to best Ducard in a sword fight, passing the trial. Vapors. <laughs> Raz or Raish, we'll say Mr. Al Ghul, sends for him and Ducard. Did you hear that, everybody? <laughs> Raz puts Bruce to one final task before becoming a full member of the League. The task is to execute a prisoner of the League, a man who has stolen his neighbor's land and killed them. Bruce refuses. When Ducard tells him that his compassion will be a weakness, Bruce tells him that it's too important to simply deny. Roz reveals to Bruce that he has been trained in order to lead the League to Gotham City, which is corrupted by evil to such an extent that it blew Joel's mind that this was even possible going to happen. <laughs> a bit. Uh, Bruce sets a diversion and lights the League's headquarters on fire, and it is forced to fight Al Ghul while the rest of the League escapes the wreckage to safety. Ducard is knocked out by Bruce, who then manages to fend off Roz, who is instantly, who's killed instantly when a roof beam collapses on him. Perhaps he should have been doing push-ups. Probably. Yeah. Bruce picks up an unconscious Ducard and rescues him from the building as it explodes. Bruce leaves Ducard in the care of a villager. Mm. Uh, That's what happens when you love. Oh, wait. Batman's not supposed to love! He's compassionate. He really? loves the city. He really? Yep. Really? Batman doesn't kill. He didn't Bull. kill. Bull. Bull. He kills in Dark Knight. I'm saying so far... That's the whole thing with, listen, I agree with you, okay? <laughs> I agree. Sheesh. God damn, it turned me into something I don't want to be. Okay. Bruce contacts Alfred, who arrives in a private jet to pick him up. Alfred reveals that Bruce, which, how did he contact him? He didn't have a phone on him or anything, did he? 
Well, at, at that point, he probably used his skills to like go to a town, like okay, yeah. go to Kathmandu or something, and be like, "Hey, payphone, <laughs> bad signal." No, not yet. Not, not yet. Okay. Albert uh, reveals that Bruce, time. who has been away for seven years, has been legally declared dead by William Earl, so that Earl can take Wayne Enterprises public. Jerk. But Izzy, if you were in the position, oh, no, of course not. But we ha- we have to hate him because of how the movie like uh, shot, yeah. you know, things. And for me, I was Screen. making a list of the villains, and I was like, okay, there's Earl. I was like, is Earl really a villain, or is he just doing what's right by the company? Or is he early and just was too early to pronounce him dead? There are no more shenanigans, no more tomfoolery, no more ballyhoo. <laughs> hey, what's what's that favorite bar of yours? Hey, with, with the goofy stuff, stuff on the wall? Oh, you mean shenanigans? Oh, you mean shenanigans? April 20th, guys. April 20th. Ooh. Super Troopers 2. <laughs> so ready. Okay. <laughs> Pistol whip the next one of you. Shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Bruce explains to Alfred a plan he has to fight the Gotham underworld by taking on a new persona, which all criminals will fear. Now, in Gotham, a serial killer named Victor Zass, who is allegedly insane, is being transferred from a regular prison to the Arkham Asylum on the opinion of Dr. Jonathan Crane. Wow, we just got a big info dump there of everything comic book lovers love. Yeah, it... uh, Again, I'll talk about it later on the top three, bottom three. I can't decide, do I like the name dropping or do... No. I don't know. I don't know. I only... Okay, we'll get to it. Yeah. Rachel challenges Crane since Zaz is yet another one of Falcone's thugs that Crane has had moved to the asylum and away from prison and goes unnoticed due to uh, Falcone's corrupt influence. Dr. Crane meets with Falcone later on that night and demands that Rachel be dealt with. When Falcone refuses, Crane threatens him with the knowledge that his unknown boss is coming to the city. Falcone is clearly intimidated by the mention of Crane's employer. Are we to believe that Crane's employer is Ra's al Ghul? Not not at this point. Mm -hmm. No, it's just somebody bigger than him. Okay. Somebody bigger than Falcone. But I mean, later on, is he alluding no, to the I fact th- that it is? I think the reveal that it's Ra's al Ghul is supposed to be a shock. Okay. And I want to, uh, let's be honest, the first time I watched the movie, I think it was. Yeah. I've now seen the movie so many times. I understand your question, but I think we almost have to go back to the first time we saw it. And I really do think the first time we saw it, we're just... I think we're supposed to think, is it Joker? Is it Penguin? I'm like, th- yeah. this this bigger boss that they say, and the way Falcone reacts to him, like, we're like, I, I want to, like, for the longest time. The Emperor's time, coming here? I, <laughs> I honestly thought that it was Penguin, because I, I did think to myself, this is the first movie, they're not going to do Joker. I thought it was so, Penguin, too. So I thought for the longest time, I'm like, okay, Crane works for Penguin, and all that stuff. So when it was Ra's al Ghul, that was actually a surprise for me. Okay. Uh, hold up in Wayne. Ma- Spoiler alert. Hold up in Wayne Manor. Bruce begins to work out what has happened since he has been away. While doing so, he spots a bat flying around the ceiling. He goes back to the be- abandoned well and climbs down through the crack in which the bats appeared when he was attacked in his childhood. Bruce finds a huge cave filled with bats, which is connected to the lowest foundations of Wayne Manor. Coming to terms with his fear, he establishes the cave as his base of operations. Slowly cool. I'm sorry. I know people have made it cheesy, but the first time I saw that, that was cool. The music and the swelling and him standing up and then all those bats going, I'm like, that, like, I'm actually getting chills now thinking of it because (laughs) it literally felt like the birth of Batman. Like, he was being birthed, and it was, I just think it's a cool scene. People make fun of it now or, like, parody it, but I just think it was really awesome and still do. Well, I think the only one that tops it is the hallucination that he has in BBS, where the t- bat- and the bats actually lift him up in his dream. I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah, it happens BBS in the beginning of the movie. was a big blur for me. Well, anyway, <laughs> I was going to say, 
I remember hallucinations. I just I'll have to remember. That. Uh, Bruce decides to announce his return and reports to Wayne Enterprises, where he makes a dramatic entrance to his own company's building by seducing a secretary into playing office golf. <laughs> See, that's the Bruce Wayne I remember. <laughs> the Playboy millionaire. Exactly. Earl, clearly shocked, warns him that he cannot prevent the company from going public at this later stage. Bruce explains that he is not bothered by this and that all he wants is a job, preferably in applied sciences. Oh, Fox's department. Ooh. Earl sets this up and Bruce goes to meet his new boss, his father's best friend, Lucius Fox. Fox Luce, explains... That's a good name, Lucius. Is that your next kid? Mm. I, 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 would be, I would be okay with that. I would be okay with naming my next son Lucius. Although Lucius... You would, make, you would have a good Lucius. Yeah, I think I could use Lucy. It sounds cool. I'm just not sure. I don't know. No. You, can, you can nickname him Lucy. There you go. Yeah, nickname him Lucy Malfoy. Lucy Malfoy. <laughs> Lucy Malfoy. <laughs> LM. Isn't Lucy, isn't that Lucy? Uh, yeah. Malfoy Lucius. Stuff? That's yeah. it. Bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Lucius. Earl sets this Lucius. up as, and Bruce goes to meet the new boss. Same as the old boss, Lucy Fox. Fox explains to Bruce that the applied sciences department is a dead end. Where Earl can reassign employees he considers troublemakers. Fox introduces Bruce to all of his own toys. Yay! Uh, one is a special bulletproof Nomex survival suit, a Kevlar suit that will stop knives in any gun but a straight shot. It was meant for military use, but apparently never caught on because the Army didn't think soldiers' lives were worth the $300,000. Sounds about right. Yep. Other items Fox shows to Bruce include a grappling gun and a safety harness. Why is he showing him these things, by the way? <laughs> this is this is the cue scene. Don't know. This is the scene that nobody can mess with. When he gets all the gadgets, I, why is he showing it to him? Because he works there now. He needs to know what is everything. There. That's why. But it's cool. Like, you want to see all the stuff. You need your cue scene. I believe that Michael Caine, Alfred Pennyworth, is the architect of Bruce Wayne's change in this. In that he contacts Fox behind the scenes oh, and really? says, "Show him all these things. He just needs a push in the right direction." That's I now I want to rewatch that. I want to, huh? I like because that. he reveals to my, uh, Alfred what he plans on doing. Yeah, that's true. I like that. That's a good. That's yeah. Uh, and there's also a scene where after they rehabilitate him, they you know have a good day, Lucius. Goodbye, Alfred. You know one of those. No, things. Cle- yeah, you're right. From they that know scene, each they're other. clearly working together. But how? Yeah, okay. Yeah. I can get on board with that. Uh, Bruce casually asks Fox if he can borrow the gear for spelunking, which is hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> Fox allows it, concerning all the equipment belongs to Bruce anyway. Though he is curious why Bruce is expecting to run into a lot of gunfire in the caves he's exploring. <laughs> well, I do like the dialogue in this. Oh, it's yeah. snappy. Uh, Bruce continues to explore the cave where he and Alfred find the lower foundations of the southeast wing of Wayne Manor and an old elevator shaft leading back up to the house. And we get a little thing about the Civil War and Underground Railroad. I like it. Uh, Bruce also begins to modify the battle suit he borrowed, ad- adding bat-shaped gauntlets and spray-painting it a dark black. What, not matte black? Apparently, th- that black was not dark enough. Not black. Not black. A few nights later, Bruce dons a ski mask and the grappling gear, goes to the police station, and breaks into Gordon's office. Recognizing Gordon, who since we last saw him has been promoted to sergeant, to be one of the city's few incorruptible and ageless cops. By threatening him with a staple gun behind his back, Bruce questions Gordon on what it would take to bring Falcone to justice. They have a little repartee. Gordon says, okay, yeah, sure, I'll do something. He goes, good, now we're two. Gordon tries to give chase, but it proves worthless to chase a random nutcase. And he has a wicked fall on the stairs when he jumps off the ledge. I mean, yep. It's a good I, thing he was wearing something that can stop a knife. I didn't even think about that. Damn it. Because <laughs> I was like, how is he not all cut up to shit? Oh, no, he was wearing the bodysuit. Yeah. It would have, like, cushioned everything. 
Uh, Bruce, I wonder if it's like warm and fuzzy on the inside. Probably, yeah, not. fleece. Like sliding into a womb. Like, no, that's not what. <laughs> what's it, what? What's it what a warm and fuzzy <laughs> womb. Are you talking about <laughs> two very different things? <laughs> <laughs> this is when I, I'm sorry, listeners, but if you could have seen Joe and Joel's faces <laughs> right at that moment, <laughs> that that would have been classic YouTube gold. <laughs> Okay, especially, <laughs> especially Joel, because I'm still not sure Joel knows what to say. Back in the cave, <laughs> Bruce adds further modifications to his suit, adding a radio transmitter, a cowling, the memory cloth, and a utility belt. He makes steel shortcuts in the shape of a bat. He explains to Alfred that he has chosen the bat as a symbol because bats frighten him, and it's time that his enemy shared his dread. I kind of like that mentality. I do, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, unless, of course, you know your enemies aren't afraid of bats. Or, you know, we should make him out of spiders and just throw spiders that ain't in jail cool. all no. the time. That ain't cool. No. What about, a, what about a superhero with a peanut allergy? Just, <laughs> like just throw peanuts at him? Yeah, just like disking uh, Uncrustables. Isn't that what got Peter the Rabbit in trouble? I was going to say, Peter the Rabbit or Peter Rabbit? Peter Rabbit. Peter. <laughs> Peter the Rabbit. The Rabbit, formerly <laughs> known as Peter. There you go. <laughs> At the docks, Falcone and a corrupt police officer, Arnold Flass, are watching Falcone's thugs unload a shipment of drugs from an inbound cargo ship. The drugs are concealed in toys, stuffed bears, and Peter Rabbit. We're the bears only are now on this. This is a long movie. Holy hell. But is there anything I can cut no, out? No, you're right. I'm just. I'm like, <laughs> we're just now at the dock scene? <laughs> the bears are... T- okay, we'll skip the bears. Okay, they're going to go someplace. The mystery man in the narrows. Okay, there's three thugs that vanish all of a sudden. Uh, and there's a big fight that happens. You don't see what the hell's going on, but people are getting knocked down to shit. And as the others investigate, more disappear. And finally, yes. Falco's in his car with a little gun. And he goes, what is this? I'm Batman. And we Batman. get the voice. It, no, it's a cool scene. Yeah, I love the scene. And people have complained how we don't get to see him fight. You shouldn't in this no. scene. No. <laughs> but he does dispose of everybody quite quickly. Uh, Gordon and his officers uh, arrived him. to find the drugs and disarmed thugs at the scene, and Falcone bound to a searchlight with his coat cut in such a way as to produce the shadow of bat in the night sky. Brilliant, brilliant origin of the of the light. Yep, love this. Excellent. Well done. Uh, in fact, I remember first seeing it going, "That's what it is." Oh my god, this is amazing. Uh, meanwhile, that's Ra- amazing. Meanwhile, Rachel's getting off a monorail train. Monorail. While being shadowed by two of the Falcone's thugs. And they attack her, and she pulls out a little stun gun, and the guy behind her gets nailed by Batman, and she sees Batman, and they have a little talk about, I need you to do something for me. Oh, what do you need me to do? I need you to go uh, go hard against Falcone. Don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, okay. Who are you? And he's gone. Well, he disappeared again. He's a rascal. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the news the next day of a Batman has the whole city talking. Loeb is not happy that a vigilante is doing the job the police are meant to do. Don't blame him. Uh, Rachel and the DA's office decide that there isn't enough there is enough evidence to put Falcone on trial despite it being given to them by a vigilante. Okay. This is where the story is really slowing down, honestly. <laughs> like, okay, I don't care about Falcone, even though Tom Wilkinson's awesome. I just don't care. No. Uh, I mean, they're trying to make it real. Yes. And so things take a while in the real world. 
Alfred wakes Bruce up at 3 o'clock p.m. in the afternoon, despite Bruce's pleas for more sleep, and then frets over the bruises and injuries that he has taken the previous night. And Alfred says, you should probably come up with an excuse like you were playing polo. He felt, what, fall off the horse and the horse ran him over? He looks like hell. <laughs> true. He then drinks some green shit and does, like, power push-ups right away. I love the fact that he just drops to the ground. I used to be able to do that. I'm afraid to do it now. I feel like I break both arms. The free fall. Yeah. Can you do the free fall into a push-up? I don't know. Oh. We should I'm try it on a mattress. I'm telling you, <laughs> listeners, the way Joel looks, he could probably be Batman. <laughs> I like Batman. Yes. Hey, no, you know what? I'm seeing out of him with the with the beard. He's Arrow. Oh, he could be Arrow. Yeah. All right. Zip. Uh, Earl, meanwhile, gets word that a Wayne Tech Enterprise weapon, a microwave emitter, has been stolen from one of the cargo ships, and the crew of said ship has apparently been killed. The emitter is another military weapon which uses focused microwaves to vaporize an enemy's water supply. Oh, I like water. That's a big, uh, big, big, like, deus ex. Hey, here's what's going to happen, MacGuffin guy. Now, if it just takes away the water, like, what does it do to your nuts? Okay, I, I read <laughs> up on this. Cause I, my thought was, if it, ex- if it destroys the water, would it destroy us who are, like, you know... 98% water? What's that, 75? 98. <laughs> You're not a mutant. I'm pretty sure it's 98%. I, I think, think it's 75. It. Percentage of <laughs> water. We're doing a science experiment, guys. Body. Oh, it's only 60%? Hmm. 65. Joel, you were right. 60, yeah, I was about to say 69, so yeah, we're good. <laughs> oh, no, 75%. <laughs> Okay, so anyway, this weird-ass weapon that came out of nowhere is coming along the way. Uh, Bruce takes Alfred's advice quite to the extreme. This starts with him going to a Wayne Enterprises party at a hotel with two female escorts who almost get Bruce kicked out by bathing in the decorative fountain. That cucumbers are 98% water. That's true. That Celery? Celery is like 99%. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a situation Bruce resolves by writing a check and purchasing the hotel on the spot. If only it was that easy. Uh, there Why he can't be? Tony, Tony Stark. He's giving it to the Mater to- D. Tony Stark <laughs> did it in the other movie. Quick, how how much to buy this tower? Okay, done. <laughs> and down the hall goes. Potatoes are also uh, 99% water by weight. You let them dehydrate until they're 98% water. Erroneous. Erroneous. Erroneous on both counts. <laughs> What's that from? Wedding, <laughs> Wedding Crashers. Oh, I haven't seen that movie in a long time. I love how every time you ask and we give it to you, you're like, oh. <laughs> Every time. Okay. Uh, so he meets Rachel there for the first time, and she gives him the line, it's not who you are underneath, but what you do that defines him. Now, again, I don't know if Rachel's needed in this movie. They, they said that before it was supposed to be Harvey Dent, and they decided not to. Now that I look at things, I would have loved to have seen Harvey Dent in this movie not turn into Two-Face, just be Harvey. Yeah, exactly. And then you actually have the emotional connection that makes what happens in the second one all the more gut-wrenching spoiler alert. Yeah. So we get into Falcone. Falcone has cut his wrists in prison to, to, you know, say, hey, look, I'm crazy. Help me, Doc. Help me, Doc. (laughs) Uh, He wants to be moved to Arkham, and Dr. Crane is brought in to assess his insanity. Instead, he goes balls out crazy. Speaking of crazy, watermelon and strawberries contain about 92% water per volume. Just a bit outside. Okay. <laughs> now I want a strawberry. Those are really good. You know, Lloyd, just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. 
and totally redeem yourself. <laughs> <laughs> How do you not like that movie, JC? I hate that movie so much. <laughs> God, I hate that movie. So Dr. Crane throws on a burlap mask, shoots some spray into him, and all of a sudden, it's hallucination time for Mr. Falcone. Uh, we found the pearl necklace. <laughs> Twas not there. <laughs> Cucumbers and lettuce consist of 96% water. Oh, somebody's stepping a duck. <laughs> the following night, <laughs> Batman, are you looking at more <laughs> trivia? <laughs> No, no, we're good now. <laughs> if you want more trivia, I could easily tell you that uh, 92% uh, water vegetables are cauliflower, eggplant, red cabbage, peppers, and spinach. Inconceivable! <gasps> good movie. <laughs> um, so the following night, Batman is going to check out Gordon and tell him that he only, you know, half the drugs are brought in on Falcone ship. And they were sent to the dealers, and he and Gordon conclude that it would be hel- it would help to interrogate Flash, who Batman identified the docks. Flash is pickpocketing <laughs> money from a falafel vendor. He uh, was a falafel. Yeah, uh, he's walking away. Batman grabs him, swings him up to the roof, holds him upside down, swear to me, and does that whole thing. Drops him, picks him back up. Flash gives out the goods. All is good in the world for Batman. How did he not throw up into his nose? Maybe he. I don't know. Like he was dropped and then brought back up and then dropped a little bit. I'd have thrown up in my nose. I wouldn't have felt good. (laughs) Uh, Meanwhile, Rachel's boss, Carl Finch, is quietly murdered by an assassin disguised as a police officer when he finds Wayne Enterprises missing, microwave emitter, in one of Falcone's containers. This is a very convoluted, complicated plot, but is for some reason needed. Uh, Batman makes his way to the Narrows, finds an apartment stuffed with cuddly rabbit toys, stuffed with drugs. Uh, at that moment, Dr. Crane and all of his men come in, and at Dr. Crane's orders, the thugs douse gasoline around the apartment. Batman comes out, beats up everybody. Dr. Crane throws on the burlap mask, shoots him with some spray, gasses him. Batman freaks out, falls to the floor, lights on fire. Uh, all hell's breaking loose for Bruce Wayne. It's not fun for anybody. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Batman didn't mean to give away his uh, identity there. Uh, Bat- Oops. <laughs> My bad. Uh, Batman throws himself out of a window into the rain, swept to the streets of the Narrows, and hits the street with a thud. Just desperately rolling around, he calls Alfred, I need help. Uh, and uh, Alfred comes along, grabs Batman, throws him in the car, drives him to the manor, and uh, Batman tells him to take the poison blood, blood poison, before passing out. I don't know what it meant. My favorite scene, the emotion on Alfred's face. Mm-hmm. You finally, you actually get a real sense of this is what makes Batman, is these two. And he, it's the first time that he goes further than he should. Yes. Or further than he can. He, Batman makes his first major mistake, and he is a child screaming for his father, and Alfred comes and saves him. And, man, Michael Caine doesn't say a word, but his eyes and the emotion that he acts in picking up Bruce Wayne and caring for Like, I get, like, chills and emotions every time because... Michael Caine's not saying a word, but he is acting the shit out of that scene, and it is really good. No, I agree. Oh, I thought you were saying something. <laughs> no, I was picking a beard hair off the microphone. <laughs> For those of you at home that were truly curious. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Rachel arrives at Arkham, sees Falcone. He's you know, balls to the wall crazy. Uh, mumming the word Scarecrow all over and over again. She talks to Crane on the meaning of Scarecrow, and Crane talks about some kind of psychological shit with, you know, different Freudian crap. Uh, 
Both are unaware that Batman is listening from outside. <laughs> when Rachel demands that Falcon be evaluated by Dr. Lehman, the court psychiatrist, Crane leads her into the lower floors of the asylum where he reveals inmates. He, reve he does the Bond thing. This is my plan. These are all the things, and you can't stop me. And Fool you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Shoots her with the gas, and now she's going to freak out. She's got the gas. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? Uh, oh, it was a Little Shop of Horrors. Yep. The, the gas. Started watching that the other day. Oh, yeah. Uh, doctor. Okay, so let's see. Where are we at here? Rachel turns up at the manor to give Bruce his birthday present and to apologize that she can't make it. Wait. No, I skipped that. Yeah, you did. Yeah. So. Uh, let's see. Explain. We're going to skip down. Okay. So basically, he saves Rachel's ass, you know, because Rachel gets dosed. And so she gets up the dose. And then they do some kind of quick, like, I'm going to take you to the cave. I'm going to dose you. And then I'm going to get you out of the cave the next morning when you're awake. Why not just take her back to her damn house then? Yeah, that's too much thinking. <laughs> Alfred, take care of her. I love Alfred shoving her in the car. <laughs> Okay, watch, although Doc watch, watch where your hands go, Michael Kane. Dr. Crane's henchmen <laughs> are prepared. Batman appears in the basement, overcomes him easily. Yeah, so there we go. Uh, meets Gordon, takes Rachel from him, blah, 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 blah. Batman refuses further help from Gordon. Yeah, yeah. He finds that Fox has the vials. Fox gives the vials to him to save Rachel. So Fox has found a way to create an antidote to this thing. But it's awfully small. It is. You just put like a couple drips in the entire water supply. <laughs> well, that's well, because he makes it and then Bruce is the one that says to Lucy's, how fast can you make this in large quantities? Like, are you planning on dosing yourself a lot, sir? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Apparently, no one has noticed that the water supply is laced with this stuff. Nope. Which, no one's drinking water these days. <laughs> well, remember, it needs to be in aerosol form, which is why they need the microwave emitter. Which, wasn't that one of the Joker's plans in Batman 89? The aerosol? Yes. Okay. Was. Uh, meanwhile, Rachel wakes up inside the cave. Oh God, I feel like I just I just skipped this entire thing basically. I'm trying. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out where you are. Let's see. I'm moving down to Bruce tells Alfred about Rachel and asks him to take her home. He goes to the party downstairs. Now we're at Bruce's party. It's happy birthday time. Uh, he meets Earl, who tells him that the stock offering was a success. I'm sure Wayne was thrilled with that. The buyers are mostly trusts and brokerages. Little does Earl know. That Bruce owns all of them. Yes. Bruce finds Fox and thanks him for the antidote vials that he was delivered. And Bruce tells him that uh, what happened, he says the stolen microwave emitter could vaporize all the water in the mains, releasing the toxin. But let's have a party. He reveals that he has been fired by Earl for asking too many questions about it. And Bruce asks him to break into Wayne Enterprises and begin making more antidote. Dun, then, dun, dun. some old lady at the party, Mrs. Delane, says, Bruce, there's someone you absolutely must meet. The name, I believe, is Mr. Raz Al Ghul. And Liam Neeson turns around. Walla, what? So was he Ross the whole time, or did the real Ross actually die and he just became the new Ross? But is Raz Al Ghul immortal? Or is his mortal supernatural? Yep. <laughs> uh, Bruce turns around to see the sight of Henry Ducard. Bruce thinks slowly before figuring out that Ducard is the true Roz. And the man behind Bruce, or the man, the man Bruce fought back at the League of Shadows HQ was a decoy. Roz muses that they both have double identities. He then lectures Bruce on the weakness of compassion. Even though Bruce had saved his life, he will still destroy Gotham. What a prick. Um, yeah, so he, he acts like an ass, gets everybody out. Yep. Uh, he's watching, he's seeing who's staying. They're, they look formidable. Uh, they, you know, there's a little fight that breaks out, 
And uh, why do you do all those push-ups, Mr. Wayne? <laughs> if you can't lift a bloody log. <laughs> Roz explains that Crane's fear toxin is derived from the blue flowers back in China. Damn those flowers. Uh, and he found a way of weaponizing it. Crane, however, is not a member of the League of Shadows, and his idea of the plan was that they would hold the city to ransom. Roz explains that Gotham must be destroyed because of how corrupt it is. This Rome. guy's got a moral ivory tower he's sitting on. Yeah. Uh, so he illustrates by explaining that the League of Shadows has infiltrated every level of infrastructure. The scene is intercut with a series of shots showing members of the League disguised as officials and police officers, including Victor Zaz and Crane, who, still under the effects of his own fear toxin, only mumbles, Scarecrow. Scarecrow. And by the way, Crane never gets better. No. It's almost been, like, permanent for him. Yeah. Because he shows up in Rises. Oh, he shows up in Dark Knight also, doesn't he? Yes. A little bit. Not much, though. Yeah. Like, his... He, you got Cillian Murphy for like seven seconds in each movie. Yep. What do you really? Do you really need any more Cillian Murphy? No. <laughs> you don't like his face, do you? Nope. <laughs> you um, don't like the blue eyes. I don't like his face. All of it. <laughs> Just everything about it. Yeah, it's very punchable face. <laughs> so the, the league of the league of offense. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the Lions. The League of Shadows and Roz beat the shit out of Bruce, and uh, he leaves saying, "You burned down my house and left me for dead. Consider us even." I like that line. Meanwhile, the Narrows is in a state of panic as hundreds of rapists and murderers are freed from the asylum. Rachel, Rachel wakes up in her bed with the two do, two vials of antidote. Okay, I can say one person. Or does he have to give it to Fox? Does she give it to Fox? No, he, Fox already has it. I think she has too, because who does she end up running into? Uh, Gordon. Oh, I was going to say Joffrey from Game of Thrones. Yeah, he shows up again. No, but he doesn't get the antidote. She ends up giving the second antidote to Gordon. Okay. Now, how the hell Bruce Wayne knew that was going to like work out, that's a bit of a MacGuffin, but still. <laughs> you missed our story earlier with MacGuffins in it. Uh, did I? Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, I know you read about it, so. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alfred arrives back at Wayne Manor and uses a golf club to knock out a league member. That's all it took. <laughs> Praying that the man was not a member of the fire department, <laughs> Alfred rushes into the burning house and, rou and rouses Bruce. Uh, they free himself. Uh, they're all good. Alfred inspects Bruce. Hey, why do we fall, sir? So that we can learn to pick ourselves up. Oh, repeating quotes. You haven't given us up. You haven't given up on me, have you? Never. Uh, police in full strength. They're moving through central Gotham. Listen, the police are trying to get across the bridge. Uh, Gordon's already over there. I don't know how he got there already. I think he was, he was in the Batmobile, wasn't he? Yes. Which we totally went over the Tumblr. How cool is the Tumblr? Pretty awesome. Awesome. Uh, now, I want that as Legos, and I don't have it. I remember when 89 Batman came out, and we saw the Batmobile for the first time in that one. That was an awesome car. Yes. Which one would you rather have in your driveway? Tumblr. Yeah, this one. Really? Yeah. She was so cool. It goes on roofs. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, it can shoot things. Yes. He's in a black tank. <laughs> uh, the Oh, I forgot. My least favorite part of this movie, and it's not even my, top, my bottom three, it's when the car is being chased by the police in the helicopters. He hits stealth mode, and all it means is the car goes, slows down a little bit and gets out of the light. How on earth is that supposed to be stealth mode in a car? Uh, he does what? He go, he hits the stealth mode button as the helicopter's on top of him like this, and the lights blast him. And all the car does is it goes out of the light, out of the spotlight, out of the spotlight. There's two police cars right there. It goes out, and they're like, "Where'd he go? Where'd he go?" These are the worst police officers ever. Literally, if you just braked your car, it would have gone right over you. 
Yeah. <laughs> Did you know that the ultimate Batmobile ultimate? collect the ultimate collector's edition Batmobile that is similar to the 1989 Batmobile that you can build from Legos is $599.95 plus $7.63 for shipping. So how many? How, how long before you get that? A long time, because <laughs> the wife is gonna say no. Okay, so Ray, Gordon meets with Batman in the Narrows amongst all this stuff. He says, "Gordon, basically, I need you to go to the tower and I need you to blow out the tower while the train is heading that way. I'm gonna find Ra's Al Ghul." So Gordon jumps in the car and he does some driving, and he loves this vehicle. Uh. Meanwhile, we go to Rachel for her to be scared a bunch of times with King Joffrey. If only they had killed King Joffrey then. I mean, it saved Game of Thrones a whole lot of people. It would have saved a lot of people a lot of pain. Um, but anyway, you know, everybody's hallucinating over there. People got like flaming eyes, and they see Batman flying across. He's got ah, doing all that, and it's scary I do, as hell. I oh. do love hallucination Batman. Hallucination Batman looks like a badass. Yeah, yeah. He's got the stuff coming out of his mouth. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Uh, Dr. Crane is not in right now. Yeah, 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 if you yeah, would like yeah. to leave a message, please wait. After the beep, yes. Beep. Uh, uh, let's see. So the Scarecrow finds Rachel because he's just flying around on a horse. Uh, she fires her taser, hits him in the face. Wow! His horse carries him away screaming. And we think to ourselves, I can't wait to see what he does in the next movie. Rachel is surrounded by a dozen inmates. And then Batman jumps down, beats the shit out of everybody, grabs Rachel, and carries her to the rooftop to safety. Did he grab the kid, too? Sure. <laughs> I honestly don't know. Yeah. And that's when she asks him, who are you? And he simply replies with her quote back, it's not who I am underneath, but what I do that defines me. And she knows, ha-ha, you're Bruce. Uh, let's see. So Roz is flying down in the subway, the monorail. Monorail. He's flying down the monorail, and uh, Bruce is, well, Batman's hanging underneath it. I don't know how his cord is not getting ripped to shreds as he's going through this thing. Uh, he's hitting every damn thing available. He still seems to be fine. Then he gets in the car, and he meets Roz. A fight ensues. Roz and Batman. Batman's got some new tricks. Ha, ha, ha. Roz basically gets beaten, is thrown to the ground. At the same time, Gordon jumps in his car, shoots missiles at the train before it gets down and knocks the train, uh, what do you call it, train tracks down so it can't go across to Wayne Manor. Not Wayne, Wayne Whatever the hell City. it is. Thank you. Wayne City. Yeah. and <laughs> Gotham. Yeah. And he tells them, ah, you still can't do what you need to do to be awesome. And he says, listen, I don't have to. I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you either. Which, whoa, that was pretty badass. And he flies out the back using his fun little cape. And the train crashes. We assume Roz is dead. Well, we also did earlier in the movie, too. True, true. Um, all right, the next day, Earl arrives at Wayne Enterprises to chair a meeting, and he's shocked. Fox is there. Ha-ha, <laughs> took your job, bitch. Fox. Bruce is in the back of his car reading a newspaper, and the headline says, Drunken Billionaire Burns Down Home. <laughs> Bruce states that awesome. he is the owner to Earl. He says, hey, guess what? I own your company. Remember all those shares that were bought? I bought them, bitch. Uh, and then Fox looks at Earl and says, didn't you get the memo? In reference to the world, Earl told him when he was firing him from Applied Sciences. Now we go back to Wayne Manor. Bruce is nailing boards over the old well in the garden, finally. 
Uh, when he's approached by Rachel, he apologizes for not telling her about his identity earlier, and she apologizes for slapping him the day Jill died, which, to be honest with you, I don't know why she's apologizing. That helped push him to be Batman, apparently. Apparently. If she hadn't done that, he wouldn't have gone to see Falcone, wouldn't have gotten the gun in his face, learned about the desperation of the area. So, Rachel... Well, she doesn't know. Damn it, Rachel. <laughs> Bruce tells her... Uh, let's see. Bruce tells her that what she did was true and that he was just a coward with a gun. He thanks her. She says, blah, blah, blah. They move closer. There's a kiss. She then explains that she found him out about a mask, his actual face. She explains that his true face is the cowl of Batman that the boy she loved long ago never came back. Uh, but maybe one day they can be together when Batman is no longer needed. Huh. Bruce nods. Rachel tells him that she was wrong and that Bruce's father would be proud of him, just as she is. Then we get a shot of Alfred walking through the rubble of the manor, uh, and they decide, hey, we got to rebuild this place. Let's build a Batcave, man. And that night, Batman meets with Gordon, who reveals that he's been a lieutenant now. They show off the new light, the bat light. Uh, there's law enforcement escalation, criminal methods, uh, you know, police uh, carry around uh, anti-piercing, or no, uh, armor piercing. I don't know what the hell it was. It was a cool little line he says about the armor piercing versus the piercing. We wear this, and they do this, and it's just constant escalation back and forth. And then we get a nice little tease. Uh, this, he goes, Gordon uses a recent case as an example. A criminal with a taste for theatrics has killed two people. The suspect leaves a calling card at the scene of each crime. Gordon gives Batman the evidence. A Joker playing card. Yeah. Batman says that he will look into it. Batman then assures Gordon that they can make Gotham safe again, and he jumps from the roof and glides away. Love the ending. And now it's time for a segment called, Did the Awards Get It Right? Well, it was, a, it was, a, uh, it was nominated for an Academy Award. Cinematography. And honestly, I thought this was a beautiful movie. Uh, there, the shots of uh, Bhutan I thought were awesome, uh, but I don't know. I didn't see memoirs of a geisha. I didn't. I don't know what that is. I, that won every award that year. Did it really? Yeah, that won a lot of awards if I remember. Now, if you go to the Saturn Awards, this is where the comic book things shine. Christian Bale won for best actor. Uh, he beat Hayden Christensen from Star Wars. Loser. <laughs> Nerd. Uh, for best costume. Chronicles of Narnia, Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe won over Batman Begins. Huh. Yeah. Memoirs of Vigation won three Oscars, nominated for six. Okay. For Best Director, Peter Jackson won for King Kong. Uh, Christopher Nolan did not win that year. King Kong and Kong. Of course, neither did George Lucas for Star Wars Episode Two Or three. Three. It was three. It was three. The better one. Uh, Best Fantasy Film, Batman did win. It beat out Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, King Kong, The Chronicles of Narnia, and Zathura. Almost all of those are decent movies. Uh, best music, John Williams won that year over Hans Zimmer for Star Wars Episode Three. Uh, Williams was nominated twice. Oh, he was, wasn't he? Yeah, for War of the Worlds also. I uh, forgot that Danny El or I forget that uh, John Williams didn't do the Harry Potter. Yeah. How about that? He did the original soundtrack, but he didn't go on beyond that. Huh. Yeah. Uh, best special effects, King Kong won. Uh, it beat Goblet of Fire. It beat Star Wars Episode Three. I think it should have. King Kong was awesome as a special effects thing. Uh, best Supporting Actor went to Mickey Rourke in Sin City over Liam Neeson in Batman Begins. Uh, I don't know about that one. The, yeah, I, I, Mickey Rourke had a, a bigger role in that movie, whereas Liam Neeson kind of showed up at the beginning and he showed up at the end. Uh, best Supporting Actress, uh, Katie Holmes was nominated for this. Oh, Killian Murphy was nominated in Supporting Actor too. Yeah, for Red Eye, though. Red Eye. I saw that one. That was a good one. It was a win bad, yeah. Yeah. And Best Writing, Batman Begins wins. 
it won over Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, then there's the Razzie Awards. Katie Holmes is nominated for Worst Supporting Actress. She's beat by Paris Hilton, House of Wax. Uh, Jeez, those are here's the thing. She didn't do that bad. All those others were horrible. If you this is a like you have both Simpson sisters in this. Ashley Simpson for Undiscovered and Jessica Simpson in The Dukes of Hazard. Jessica Simpson was bad. Paris Hilton was bad. I didn't see the other two. And Carmen Electra was in Dirty Love, which Katie Holmes has got to be sitting there just feeling dirty even in this category. Right. She doesn't deserve to be in this category. But now in the year 2018, what did you think after watching the film, Joel? Uh, it was good. I'd forgotten how much I didn't know about it. Yeah. Like I'd forgotten a lot of this movie. JC, how about you? Still I, great. In the age of overdone superheroes, it's easy to forget this movie helped with Spider-Man, a sense of hero movie's necessity. Now me, I immediately wanted to watch The Dark Knight based on how The Dark Knight starts. Because it almost seems like a part one, part two of a movie. Yeah. So as soon as that car is rolled over, you can literally go right to the next movie, and it picks up right there. Yes. Uh, but we're on to our top three, bottom three. Uh, Joel, what's your top three? My top three, my number three is good guy casting. Yeah. I think the casting for the good guys was amazing. You have Morgan Freeman, Michael Caine, Christian Bale, Gary Oldman, and maybe if you want to give her <clears throat> the little slack, Katie Holmes. Okay, yeah. Uh, JC, what's your top three? No, th- you, 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 you oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I just <laughs> named five, and I felt like I did a whole list already. My number two, the music and tone of the whole movie. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is one of Zimmer's best as far as just like bringing you into the uh, action. Totally agree. And my number one is the Batman origin story. I think that this is amazingly done from where the bat signal comes from to where his armor comes from, from where the Batmobile comes from to where like it leads into the next movie perfectly. I just think the oh, I think this is one of the best origin stories out there. Yeah. JC, do you mind if I go next? I can go. Okay. Uh, my number 3 is the sense of reality, the gadgets, the arm bl- arm blades, the using Krav Magras, the fighting style of all of that. Number two is Kane, Freeman, and Bale, the cool guy triad. I just think that goes really well. And then number one, the emotional acting of Alfred saving Batman. I even want to say creating Batman. You, you don't get Batman without Alfred. Yeah. Uh, my number three is the cast of the movie. It's nearly top-notch. Tom Wilkinson, Christian Bale, Killian Murphy, Liam Neeson, Gary Oldman, Rutger Howard, Ken Watanabe. They're all great. Katie Holmes is okay, but the two best in the film – are Lucius Fox and Alex, uh, uh, Alfred Pennyworth. Strong agree. Two father figures to replace the one he reveres the entire film. Uh, now my number two is each revealed villain is representative of Bruce Wayne's weaknesses turned Batman strengths. Joe Chill represents desperation. Wayne is desperate for nothing, but as he turns, he learns the power of desperation. Carmine Falcone is about reputation. Wayne's reputation in name only. It's through Batman he becomes something that is more powerful reputation. Scarecrow is fear. Wayne is afraid of everything. Batman must make people afraid of him. And Ra's al Ghul, deception. Wayne cannot be seen as deceptive since he is the face of the family and the company. But Batman operates in a cloud of deception. It's int- I've really enjoyed reading that yesterday because sometimes when I watch this movie, I'm like, there are too many antagonists. Yeah. And that's an act I couldn't keep up as a kid. Um, but after reading this, I was like, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And so when watching it, it's makes kind of the uh, whole development of the story much more rich. Uh, my number one is no one envisioned a movie that you can believe actually happens because of the lack of fantastic elements. The gradual turn into the Batman that the world knows is believable. 
But with every top three, there is a bottom three. With every top of the inning, there's a bottom of the inning. Joel, what are your bottom three for this? My number three, uh, some parts are forgettable for me. Mm. Um, and I would tell you which ones, but I can't remember. <laughs> um, in my number two, it feels long. I think there are a lot of storylines that are happening. There's a lot of back and forth. Um, and there are a lot of people that are in this movie for a person that's bad with names. It's not good for me. Yeah. Um, and my number one is, for me personally, it's not super rewatchable. Oh. Once we get to the <clears throat> Dark Knight, I would, if I'm just casually watching a Batman movie, I'll watch the Dark Knight over this. Um, it's just, it's such a dense movie. And I don't sit down and watch very heavy movies often. Yeah. And this is one that you really have to sit down and, like, enjoy. Because you're right, it's not a movie as much as it is a film. It, like yeah, exactly. And it's also a part one of three. Yeah. And so, I mean, think of how many part ones of movies that you can just sit there and go, I want to watch this and not watch the rest. Right. It's uh, hard to do. Yeah. And my honorable mention, uh, Killian Murphy's face. Okay. <laughs> JC? Um, I am not a fan of the too many villains. I mean, maybe it's name dropping or maybe it's just touch back to comics, but... It's just, okay, we have Victor, we have Raish, we have Scarecrow, we have Falcone, we have jo- Joe Cool. I Joe mean, Chill. Joe Chill, sorry. Joe Cool Snoopy. Yeah, that's true. You could have been <laughs> Snoopy. Um, I'd be okay with that. Uh, Roz goes from being super smart to super crazy. I mean, I get that he's upset with his wife and everything, but he's willing to kill a whole lot of people just because his wife and son died. And, I mean, I get some people snap, but the jump just seemed a bit forced to me. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Batman falling in love. Do we need a love story to humanize him? Was losing his parents not enough to humanize him? I feel like you need the parents, you need Alfred. That's what makes Batman. I think, and I, I yeah, I, I, yeah. No, okay, my number three. No one starts the movie by trying to tell three different timelines, but abandons it halfway through. It makes you wonder if it was needed at all then. <laughs> yeah. uh, this movie could have been told linearly. It would not have been a problem. Uh, number two, this movie was largely ignored and overly criticized by movie critics simply because it had Batman in the title. It can be argued that, it, that this film is as good a film as The Dark Knight, uh, which a few years later was nominated for Best Picture. This movie was trying to get the Schumacher taste out of everybody's mouth. Yeah. Uh, and my number one, the bat sonar scene where the bats seem to come from nowhere and then shoot up the thing and he gets the paralysis. It's an obvious leap of faith that requires a jump you need an almost unrealistic running start for and spring shoes in a movie that has not relied on it so far. Yeah, like where he's at the bottom of the well? No, 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 no. Where he is, he's trying to escape Arkham and he hits the little thing on his boot and the bats all come out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you didn't need this. Forgettable part. Yeah. That's my number three. Okay, so now we get into who the audience of the movie is. Joel, who do you think the audience is? Uh, Casual moviegoers that are trying to get into the superhero genre. Okay. Uh, JC? Um, I think it is uh, Batman fans and the quote-unquote real superhero fans, meaning people who want superheroes to be able to exist in the real world. Okay. If you want, like, comic book and, like, false reality, go to Marvel. But if you want to get a sense that, like, wow, this could legitimately happen or someone could legitimately do this, then you want to watch this movie. Like that Phoenix guy from Seattle? Which guy? Remember there was, like, a a real-life – he was dressed up in a costume. His name was Phoenix or something. No. He he was hanging around Seattle City, and he was, like, saving people and stuff. I don't remember that. Oh, yeah, look that stuff up. Uh, Mine is uh, movie fans who complain that superhero movies are too comic-y. 
this movie is not comic-y. No, it's not at all. And even, I, I got to agree with uh, JC, they do a lot of name-dropping in it, but they also don't go any further with those. Victor Zaz, if you learn about his character, is an awful serial killer. They don't even touch it. They just mention his name is Victor Zaz, and it's like, we're planting the seed in the event that we need it later on. They didn't need it later on. They got the Joker. They got Heath Ledger. We'll talk about that next time. Uh, but, uh, okay, movie report card. A is a superior. B, above average. C, average. D, below average. And F, total failure. In the, not sports film genre, in the sports film genre, where do you put Batman? No. Ugh. In the comic book genre, uh, where do you grade this, Joel? Uh, it is an extremely well-done movie as a whole. The best part of it is that it's believable. No superpowers, uh, relatable emotions, care for a city. That's something that most superhero films can't get because otherwise they wouldn't be super. Um, the movie's a little long. Casting is great, though. The story's really good. Um, maybe there are too many, like, semi... Uh, maybe too many stories. Um, and sometimes it's easy to get lost or forget about what it is you just saw. But it, all in all, it is a good movie. I love the ending. ending is awesome. I don't love the Batman voice. And yeah. I wonder if it's just be because people have made it turned it into a joke. That's why I don't like it. Uh, but this was a revolutionary movie, which was much like Iron Man for Marvel. Like, this totally changed the game for what superhero movies could do. Yeah. Um, and I think that it is perfect <coughs> for comic book fans because you get so many secondary characters from the comics that I didn't know were from the comics. I just thought they were characters in the movie. But like you said earlier, if you're a comic book fan and you're watching this, you're like, oh, my gosh, they just gave me so many people at once. Right, right. Um, so I don't I'm, I have to give it I'm going to give it an A minus. All right. I don't think that it's perfect just because I, sometimes I do zone out. Yeah. So it doesn't hold my attention the entire time. But I mean, everywhere else, it almost it kills it. OK, so I'm going to go A minus JC. I'm the same. I'm an A minus. All right. Because really, the only things that I would pick apart about this movie are nitpicky stuff. I mean, Rachel Dawes bugs me, but again, she doesn't pull the movie down. That's just a personal thing. The biggest problem with this movie is it tries to do too much, and that leads to length. But the too much that it does is necessary. They just could have made it less complicated. So that's an it's an A- minus for me. All right. Uh before I watched the movie this time, I actually threw down an initial range for myself. Like, where do I remember this movie being in my subconscious? And it was between an A and a B plus. I knew it was in that range somewhere. Uh, so I think it's a better film than Captain America, the first Avenger, uh, which was a B. So let's dive into the critical. Is this movie one of the better origin stories for a superhero? Yes. The fact is, if you go into this film expecting a new DC film or Marvel MCU film, you are going to be bored. This movie deliberately takes its time because in order to believe that a man could make the choices to do this type of vigilantism, you have to be measured and not rush anything. Nolan does an amazing job of keeping the pace of this film pretty damn consistent. It doesn't really follow a typical story narrative because the entire movie plays as a crescendo that ends at its highest point. He's truly Batman and he's going after the Joker. The movie was fine. It was played like a first act of a trilogy should have been, and in that regard, I considered arguably the best origin movie for a superhero. Not as much as I want. Not now as much as I want to give Nolan his props for introducing a darker take on Batman than we previously had. I do have some issues. First off, the premise of this movie: the destruction of an entire city because it's gotten too corrupt is ridiculous. There, there's other ways to deal with this shit. Uh, my other issue is that Nolan abandons his flashbacks. 
And that's a Nolan staple. Nolan really does the whole time thing throughout all of his movies. Yeah. And this one, I got what he was doing at the beginning, and I just wish if he was going to do that, keep going with it so it juxtaposes with some of the other decisions he made early in his life. Uh, either way, more consistency is needed. However, because these are ticky-tack things, I really can't fault the movie for this. So as a movie in a trilogy, I have to do this movie in A as the first movie in a trilogy. Its setup is nearly perfect for the next movie, and I absolutely threw in The Dark Knight afterwards. That's how you know this movie is perfect, is if after the first act, you have to watch the second one afterwards. The only problem with this movie in the trilogy is the payoff in the third film, Dark Knight Rises. As a standalone movie in the comic book genre, though, I gotta give it an A minus. So overall, I'm giving it an A minus also. Three A minuses. A's for everyone. Batman Begins gets an A minus, and now if we revisit our list of movies in the comic book pantheon. Uh, it is Deadpool at an A, Iron Man at an A, and then Batman Begins at an A minus, right above your favorite guy, Captain America, the first Avenger. Green Lantern. I don't. Yeah, the first Avenger is a good movie. Um, so yeah, th- th- that's our list right now. Uh, let's take our critics' hats off now. It's off. Do you love this movie? Do you like this movie, or none of the above? Joel, I really like it, but I don't love it like I did as a kid. Yeah. Uh, but then again, that was when we weren't like super saturated with superhero movies. I'm so sappy. Sappy? sappy? <laughs> I'm so are you? I'm are so you happy he said that because I I loved this movie. Now it is an extreme like because it's a great movie. It's too long for me now. And also I'm like it's but the problem is is I keep having to remind myself this was a superhero movie before the like superhero craze. This was a superhero movie not a or this was a comic book movie not a superhero movie. Which one would you say? Would you say this is more superhero movie or comic book movie? Comic book movie. I think comic, book. comic book There's movie. nothing super about Batman except for he's, he's right. rich. <laughs> yeah. So we could say, like, a lot of a lot of DCs are more comic book movies. Like, that's what we said with Justice League. Justice yeah. League is more of a comic book movie because it was cheesy and quirky at parts. Yeah. But Marvel has killed the superhero game. Yeah, they have. Uh, Marvel spoiled us. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. And for me, I love this movie. I This is a movie that I, I will throw in once a year. Just kind of be like, let me cleanse the palate for a second. This is a real film of a comic book movie. And then I go back to the Marvel ones, which I enjoy. I love the Marvel ones. But before we close things out, let's look back at the comic book pantheon here to see where Batman Begins fits now. Before, we had Deadpool with an A at a 12.000, and we had Green Lantern with a C+, which was a 7.667. Now sandwiched in between is Batman Begins with an A-11.000. minus which I think is a pretty good place for it. Now let's close things out and say goodbye to The Batman Begins and on to the next movie, The Dark Knight. That's all we've got time for today, Movie Planeteers. Next show, we'll look at The Dark Knight for the comic book category and its continuance with the Nolan Batman movies to see where it stands in the trilogy pantheon. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, Podbean, or Spotify, and give us a four- or five-star review. Tweet with any questions, comments, theories, and I'll try to fit them into the show next time we're on the air. Send those tweets to at movieplanetpod and like us on Facebook and Instagram using the links in the show notes. The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet podcast are those of the individual hosts. The Movie Planet podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, 
approved, or licensed by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. Special thanks to Twisterium and Sound J Music for providing all music that we use outside of the Batman music. Thanks for listening, and happy movie watching.